Hello, welcome to Spotlight, cutting through the smoke of burnouts with artistic cool. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, the first of two programmes celebrating TT, in an artistic fashion, of course. The first of two interviews with the wonderful artist and motorsport journalist Rachel Clegg, whose exhibition is currently on display at the House of Manan in Peel. A chat with the man and the legend Derry Kizik, as his second book hits the shelves, documenting the life and times of the world-famous Purple Helmets. Also, the second part of a chat with the brilliant Manx queer poet, Simon Madrill. Remember, do get in touch with any creative, artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create, or would really like to put in the spotlight. Poetic, visual, theatrical, musical, literary, mime, the usual list. Email spotlight at manxradio.com or howardkane at manxradio.com. Yes, love it or hate it, TT 2023 is here. And we thought we'd get in on the action with a couple of TT-orientated chats. There's no doubt it's been a big part of the Manx calendar for the last 100-plus years. And its ups and downs, triumphs and tragedies have been widely documented in both words and pictures. However, one woman who puts a unique slant on the event is motorsport journalist, author and frustrated biker chick, Rachel Clegg. She's off to be seen around the back of the grandstand at her stand and her pictures, books and calendars are appreciated around the world. A surreal mix of the female nude, quirky and imaginative motorsport settings at famous tracks, locations around the TT course and elsewhere for that matter, and texts, making her works instantly identifiable. I caught up with her as she applied the finishing touches to her exhibition currently showing at the House of Mananan Gallery and she reminded me that her Manx links go back a long way. My grandparents moved here in the 70s, my dad lived here in the 70s and then moved back, and then my grandparents came back again. And my uncle um, had Manx leathers, so there's a, there's a huge family Manx connection. And um, my parents would be here like a shot if they could, I think, secretly. They, they love it here, they're here a lot. <laughs> so um, we, we're all very Manxophiles, to be fair. And where are you based normally with your studio? Sheffield, so yeah. Not a million miles away. It's not too far, no, no. But this morning I was thinking, yeah, these bloody nice over here, very nice over here. <laughs> sorry. You're not allowed to swear on TT, I always think. Oh, that's good. New rules, that's, that's good. Whew, sorry, everybody. Yeah. And you're famous, of course, for the pictures. We're just looking around here, standing. You're busy. I'm interrupting you in the middle of setting up for exhibitions, so uh, thanks for spending a bit of time to talking to us. Now, the pictures right behind us, these are the ones that people will really know you for, and it's this classic, fantastic black-and-white photography, and it's always this juxtaposition of the naked female form, you, in this case, using yourself as the model, always against this background of, in this case, the, the TT course. This is something, what sort of draws you to this mixture? Is it that sort of the soft and the hard, as it were, the sort of the soft, naked form and, and that sort of ruggedness and toughness of, of road racing? I think there is, aesthetically, that's a nice contrast. Um, but I think I really like telling stories and I think the TT, like, like anything, is all about the stories, isn't it? All those stories that... Um, the events accrued over the last, what, 115, 16 years. Um, and be able to illustrate, to be able to illustrate those stories with a sort of striking image and it sort of delivers the message in a, in a crazy kind of absurd way, which I quite like. Just, I quite like the fact it's just a, a bit bonkers. So, um, and, and some of the stories are amazing. I mean, some of the things that riders have done over the years is just incredible. 
It is. Have you ever ridden yourself? Have you ever been on a bike ride? I've got a licence, um, but I'm not very good. <laughs> Too nosy. I'll be looking at all the houses. But um, no, I have got a licence, and I, I'd love... I, I do like... Um, I like driving, I do like being on a bike. I'm just not quite TT level. Um, yeah, it's probably safer just as for everybody. It's safer. it's safer for everybody that I stay on. Oh, it's much yeah. safer than TT racing. Absolutely, yeah. Although I happen in A&E twice. Oh. So, um, with the, yeah. Lord. So, not when you've been doing the pictures, but... Yeah. Well, oh. once was actually during a shoot, and the other time was not so much on the actual shoot, but while I was here doing a shoot. Yeah, a Manx cat. We did a shot with a Manx cat at the cat sanctuary because there was a story about a cat at Ramsey. And um, so I'm trying to hold this, this, this cat. And um, that was supposed to be a cat, by the way. It was good. And, I like uh, it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it just sort of went for me. And then the next day, my, my arm just blew up. I phoned my friend who's a GP back in Sheffield. And I won't use the language that he used. He said, Rachel, get yourself to hospital now because cat bites are really, really dangerous. They are, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was put on mega antibiotics. So it's all you see. It's not. It's not just a walk it's in the park. This business, you know, it's more dangerous than you think. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so what about the inspiration? Because look, this one actually looks rather painful. Speaking of ending well, up in A and E, the one right in front of us. This one right in front is down at Laurel Bank, um, and there is some great stuff. Cronkavody, there they are. In 1912, the Highway Board found that nails had been placed on the road at Cronkavody just below where I live, you're absolutely right. It was believed that they'd been planted deliberately by the suffragettes to damage tyres on the race machines, though this was never proved. Never heard that story before. Well, I read it. It must be true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. It's, um, yeah, it's an amazing story. Actually, it's a, there is a connection, isn't there, with um, the suffragettes and the other yeah, man, yeah. of course. So, um, and, and I think there were quite a few events where there was one involving a horse as well, wasn't there? There was, yeah, there was one of the races, and, and it was yeah, Emily Pankhurst. It was, was one of them, the mother, I forget my history now, but one of them was based from the Isle of Man, certainly, yeah. Yes, well, history on the fly. This is a I challenge, know, isn't it? This, I know, yeah. we'll get it all wrong yeah. now, we'll get told off. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I did, I did come across that story, and uh, I thought that was really interesting. And, of course, I think at that time as well, the TT was growing in stature, so it would have, it would have been an impactful political thing to do. So, um, yeah, quite like that story. It is a great one. So the picture itself like, it looks like a nail. It's just about to be driven into your bum, which does look painful. And I wouldn't see yeah. Who's holding the hammer? You trust them. <laughs> yeah, it was good friend. Yeah. The hand model. <laughs> yeah. Rachel's exhibition, 37 and three quarters, is running until the 25th of June. Plenty of time to see it. It's totally free. Many of the works up for sale. There's also a chance to meet the artist. That's Rachel herself. On Monday the 5th of June from 9.30 through to 1.30 at the House of Mananan. She also, by the way, has a stand at the back of the grandstand. More from Rachel next week. Now, more from my chat with Brighton-based queer mags poet Simon Madrill and his new collection, The Whole Island, which is launching on the island in June. Obviously, I sometimes write poems that are consciously about my queer experience or the queer experience of of others and I very very often write poems around the around the Isle of Man and I think if the other thing come if the other thing pops out it pops out because that's what happens if you see what I mean hmm. I don't it's, it's sort of for me anyway I don't construct a poem as a short as a short story it sort of it ends up turning within that exploration it ends up becoming really about something else and and that that isn't sort of pre-planned. Again, you're referencing this sheer water as a, a sort of an allegory in itself for the way Manx people often 
go off into the world and frequently come back after 10, 15, 20, 30 or more years. The, the wildlife as well, because clearly you've got the cultural links, your family being brought over here, educated here. You mentioned again, like, so the wallabies and such like. Is, is the island sort of natural history something which has always been a, a source of inspiration for you? Oh, gosh, yeah, absolutely. The special memories of a, as, as a child of, um, of having the, the privilege to be able to go out to sea in my uncle's yacht and, 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 and fish. You know, the privilege of having a, a father who was a, a college lecturer meant that, you know, we had long, long summer holidays. And my dad, he had a real love for nature. He used to be a scout leader way past. And um, yeah, so his love of nature would, you know, he would take us, take us out sometimes forcibly to, to pick Wimberries and Blackberries and such like, and sometimes not, not forcibly. So yeah, I mean, and, and obviously my work for 15 years in a setting up and running a international development charity that was focused on on conservation also you know I, I that view of mine and that passion is is worldwide it's not just it's not just Af- it's not just elephants in africa it's the puffins and the hen harriers I'm, I'm in the process of of arranging arranging certain talks but i'm open for open for more bookings basically you know whether that's a you know whether that's a coffee morning or 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 a current current particular event that's on or someone that wants to organize an event I'm, I'm i'm open for that we're going to have um an event in on thursday the 15th of june at the black dog oven so there'll be a poetry night then of which i'll feature reading the whole island i'm going to be going along to the isle of man poetry society monthly event on the sunday the 18th and reading there anyone who works for defa or department of education sport culture I'm going to be there on Monday the 19th, lunchtime, doing a couple of sessions with them. And Wednesday the 14th of June, I've been asked to do a Pride reading at, because obviously it's Pride Month in June, Mm -hmm. at the Henry Bloom Noble Library. So I'll be reading those poems that would perhaps be considered queer within the whole island, plus reading from Isle of Sin and and Queerfella at that particular reading. But hopefully I'll be... um, at the bookshops at Bridge Bookshop too, and a number of other places which I'm sorting out. But you can contact me, you know, at Simon Madrill on on social media or Queer Manx Poet at btinternet.com. I'm happy to come along and read, even if there's only two of you, or even <laughs> one of you for that matter. It'll be at Bridge Bookshop and the Manx Museum. You'll be able to buy it, and that will be from yeah, that will be from the 11th, 11th, 12th of June. So the Isle of Man will get it before it's going to be released over here. Quite right um, too. <laughs> but you can, yeah. I mean, you can. You can also on my social media. There's a link. You can, um, you can buy it, buy it from me as well. But all all the Manx copies will be signed copies anyway as well. We've got to put the Manx people first, haven't we? In the actual collection itself, again, have the poems? Do they sort of flow in a specific order through the uh, collection, uh, as in a sort of you know a, a linear structure, as it were, or is it more of a, a collection on a theme? Well, I think both. I, Annie Kizak has, has has read it for me and done a wonderful blurb of the of the book, a little promotional piece for me. Yeah, and she said to me that she felt that it, you know, the the book took you on a journey, but and and, and linked very well to each other. Mm-hmm. So they sort of, but equally, you know, they the poems stand alone. I mean, what we thought of my editor had the idea quite early on to put the the whole island smack in the middle of the book, which is where it is. So yeah, I think it probably starts 
it does actually start as, as as a book of me coming home and then and then sort of exploring family and history going on a journey but then into exploration and vikings and then it comes back to family again and then it's it goes really then goes off looking into wildlife wildlife survival and extinction really i would guess i apologize ruth at culture van and if i don't get this pronunciation right <laughs> fodiac it uses the word fodiac and the welsh hiraeth which you may or may not know means homesickness or nostalgia and longing fodiac he asks if i yearn for it if we have a word for it like hiraeth how he feels when away from his other Celtic home, and I brush it off like a speck of fluff, as if it's obvious a queer would hate being in a beaut beautifully busy cottage, tucked away in a private bay below Milner's tower. It's a folly to think I want to be where he is, to think I could add anything to this like my pride in having scuba dive the world over in the marine biology centre here at Port Aaron. How it's now closed. And reminder, Simon will be on the Isle of Man for the launch tour of the whole island. It starts at the Henry Bloom Noble Library on Wednesday the 14th with readings from his current and previous collections, an official launch at the Black Dog Oven in Peel on Thursday the 15th, you can contact him for more details on Queermanx Poet at btinternet.com. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. For many, of course, the TT, synonymous with the wonderfully wacky motorbike display team, the Purple Helmets, who mix bonkers stunts with manic irreverence and satire, a sort of Monty Python two wheels. Sadly, it was announced last year they were calling time on their antics. They may be gone, but never forgotten, especially as the biggest purple helmet of them all and possessor of a million dollars' worth of ASMR Manx voice, Derry Kizik, has now produced a book detailing their history. He told me the book had been some time in the writing. Indeed, Howard, yes. this uh, I started to write this ooh, quite a long way back now, probably 2012, when I did my autobiography book. Um, for those of you who remember that, it was... Um, do you know Derry Kizik? No, but I know a fellow who does. And when that was a success, I decided to write this book about the, the helmets, who, in uh, in all honesty, was a team put together just for one night's entertainment to um, to back up the great Steve Colley, who was doing a fundraiser for us at the time. And, well, people laughed so much, I thought there might be a bit of mileage in it, and well, we, we had the the venue up at the back of the testing station at Tremode, and it was a hopeless venue, really, but it was tarmac, and that's what we'd been trying to find so we could do our skids and things. And Anyway, uh, the the following year, we we managed to hire Onken Stadium, and, uh, it, well, the, the rest is history, really. 27 years later, uh, from a one-night show, the world-famous Purple Helmets really are quite world-famous. Um, albeit the, at, the, at the start, we said, well, we'll call ourselves world-famous because nobody had ever heard of us, <laughs> which is the way we operate, actually, Howard. And by the end, of course, everyone had heard of you, ironically, but yes. <laughs> well, it's been a wonderful time. and 
wonderful friends, wonderful friendships, and travelled all over, all over England, Scotland, and Ireland, um, all over Europe, and um, as far as, as far afield as uh, New Zealand, Chile, Brazil. You know, all over the world, literally. So I think we could lay claim to being in uh, world famous. I think that sounds world. I mean, that is actually around the world and back, pretty much. I think, <laughs> isn't it? Just about. We don't bother with America much. <laughs> <laughs> well, who does? Who does? <laughs> oh, well, who indeed? Who <laughs> indeed? So when it came to writing the book, I mean, where do you start? Had you sort of kept a scrapbook, as it were, of all your travels and of all the various events? Well, photographs were plentiful because we were. Very photogenic, as you can see in the new book. There's lots of photographs, but it's a difficult subject, actually. And although people knew my face, they knew me, a lot of people really didn't know who the helmets were. They didn't know the individuals. So I decided to do a profile on each and every one of them and uh, basically to start at the beginning because that was, seemed a good place to start. <laughs> so <laughs> it eventually evolved from that um, with bits added and... I tried to get some of the lads to contribute, but uh, the numbers were low, albeit, albeit um, two or three good accounts from uh, some of the old guys. And uh, yeah, we, we've had one or two new boys along the way, um, but it, it's not quite the same with new people. It's um, our humour was the old humour, the old fashioned stuff. And as you say, um, the old jokes, well, they are the oldest, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Do you think it, do you think it could have carried on now? Or do you think, as you say, it's, it's, as times change, you think, you know, you have your moment in the sun and then you, then you move mm. on. Every dog has his day, Howard. I think um, to let the show go down wouldn't have suited us at all. We were on a high, and we decided at the time, through we had lost one or two of the boys through illness and one thing and another. And we we are all 27 years older than when it started. So um, although some of the younger guys are perfectly capable to carry on, we decided as a team to stop while we're ahead, quit while we're ahead, and bow out gracefully. Um, and this is this is um, the consensus of opinion where everybody was in agreement. Although one or two were disappointed, it has to be said. Um, you know, this is how it went. And... Um, this year we will be spotted. There'll be one or two lads riding around with the coat on, notably um, at the Victory Cafe on what's become Mad Monday, um, with the the demise of Mad Sunday. We will be at the Victory Cafe, all being well, and 11 a.m. in the morning to do a book signing, and it's rumoured that we're going to do a ride through. So rather than the railway pub, we'll be riding through the Victory Cafe on Monday, the 5th of June. Uh, so if the police are in the area, <laughs> look out. <laughs> we'll do our best for our public. <laughs> the mind boggles. Do you think, we were just talking as we came in before, you think, yeah, it's, I mean, there was so much associated in part and parcel of the TT for so long. Do you think that's that's changed over the years? Again, we can't, sadly, we can't turn back to the clocks and nothing ever stays the same, does it? But it, it, so there, there was that link, really, wasn't it? You just thought, oh, yeah, TT, and along with sort of bikes and along with Mad Sunday and along with a screening of George Formby somewhere, there'd be the Purple Helmets. Yes, indeed. You know, the, the helmets really have been synonymous with the TT because entertainment, showbiz, is our thing. And... Um, I remember wobbling along the prom in the early days and we we would turn up at Bushy's 
uh, on the promenade, which was a wonderful atmosphere, probably the best atmosphere you'd find anywhere. And um, the police joined in with us, and it was fantastic. The crowd were absolutely with us, and um, celebrities wanted to appear with us. There's pictures of quite a few celebrities in the book, like um, the hairy bikers wanted to be on the piano and have beer chucked over them, and <laughs> Bruce Anstey was always a great guy up on the pyramid with us. We, we've had everyone, really. We've had Agostini at the top of the pyramid. Agostini? Yeah, Agostini stood on the top of the pyramid with us, and um, we've had wonderful times where the coat really was a, a, a password. It was, it was a, a key to open any door. We could walk in anywhere and have drinks bought for us. Not that we uh, spilled much, but we, we tried to, to show our appreciation in the normal manner. Uh, How did the coats come about originally? Well, it, uh, now that you've got the book there, it will be finally explained how the coats came about. And it started with um, some of the boys, long before the purple, they were called the Purple Helmets, actually. They were a gang of boys who used to come to the TT, and uh, one of them had had a coat that his father used on the, the Fergie tractor out ploughing, and he thought he'd put this on. And uh, a couple of other boys thought it was so, so good. Well, so, I suppose a modern word is hip. <laughs> they thought it was so hip that they would find some. And they did in the Army and Navy stores. Um, at the time, they weren't actually riding Honda C90s, but vintage bikes, really. One, um, Andrew Jiggle from Orkney now, he uh, had a, a sunbeam, and a flat tank sunbeam, and he, he rode round with the, the pudding basin helmets, and um, eventually um, it started to catch on in our enduro scene, and uh, our, our enduro boys, who are called the sheep skulls, this is when they're not in show business, they become the sheep skulls, <laughs> dual identity, they, uh, they started to wear them at... Um, the Enduros uh, throughout England and at the six-day Enduro in the, the World Championships. And um, it, it sort of caught on. And then at the time, this would be 1995 when we started, I was the chairman of the Southern Motorcycle Club at the time. and We were very low on funds. And this is how it all started. Um, Steve Colley, great friend of ours, he decided he would uh, try and help us out with a one of his stunt shows, and uh, he, he needed a bit of backup. So uh, these likely lads with their big coats, the sheep skull enduro riders, um, I'd seen them knocking about with their little Hondas and sort of suggested that they may do a backup. And they said, well, what would we call ourselves? Well, <laughs> one of them said, uh, be a bit like the White Helmets, like the, the famous army team, the Royal Signals. And somebody else said it would be more like the Purple Helmets. <laughs> and the name stuck. And it, it always has, really. It's it's quite apt, as you probably agree. But um, the Purple Helmets. And then someone else said the world famous. And that stuck as well because nobody had ever heard of us. And um, I think it comes, it comes over that we're really fun-loving guys and... Uh, the police uh, kind of adopted us after a while. They they knew we weren't hooligans. Uh, we're just fun-loving guys who tried to lighten the mood. And that's what we'd like to be remembered as, really.
Sounds like a good epitaph, doesn't it? More from Derry next week, including how the island's governor became a big fan. In the meantime, as Derry said, they may be officially finished, but unofficially, who knows? You may well clap eyes on a purple helmet or two in the crowds. That's about it for this week. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to maxradio.com and download the Spotlight podcast. Listen where and when you want. Why not try it whilst drinking a pint of beer at a famous TT pub of your choice? See you next week. Look after yourselves, mind the bikes, and whatever you're doing, be creative about it. Cheerio. Cheerio.